If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you, to spend some time, look at the Parsha, understand the Parsha, see the relevance of the Parsha in the context of what's happening in the world today. And so many things are happening in the world today. It takes a genius to actually understand what's going on. And sometimes even a genius gets it wrong. There are so many confrontational issues. Everybody is at each other's throat. It's a time of, well... It takes huge strength, huge vision to look at the world and to try and make sense of the world today. The controversies, the arguments, the friction, the anger, the rage, the hate, it's overwhelming. And I speak not only in terms of, well, the age-old hate and rage and conflicts, but each and every day something new seems to come up. Instead of working for a state of unity, for a state of tolerance, of understanding, of living with each other and helping each other, trying to create a society that is truly beneficial for all. It seems that so many throughout the entire world are each other's throat, and this is something which is extremely worrying. But at the same time, we are absolutely convinced we have total faith in the fact that God created a beautiful world, and it's within that beautiful world that we have to reveal the beauty. And beauty, of course, is the reconciliation of, well, not only a great many things, but of opposites as well. And this is the great challenge of our time, to look beneath the surface, to remove the facade, the shell of anger and hate, and to see the unity that is underlying the unity that is absolutely eternal. And this is something that we have to understand from a Torah point of view because within Torah we have the secret, the recipe, to find that sense of unity, to create a dimension of inner humility, to understand that each and every one of us is a creation of God himself. Each and every one of us has a specific purpose in the world. And this is why through the study of Torah, it's not only knowledge that we're looking for. It's not only information. It's not only, well, the ability to read situations, to understand situations, but more so to actually reveal the inner dimensions of oneself, of others, the world, and to work hard at revealing the incredible beauty that is there. And while, of course, so many people try, each and every one of us has a particular mission, and the acts of each and every one of us is unique and special and everlasting. Whenever we do something good, whenever we do something kind, whenever we reach out and do something which is of benefit to others and to ourselves, this is something which is not lost in the mists of time. It is something which continues. It's eternal. We build on that more and more and more. And while, as I said earlier on, the world appears to be a place of great confusion and conflict, nonetheless... Within it are huge deposits, huge deposits of goodness and kindness that have been enacted throughout the ages, and we simply have to contribute to that. And the way that we do it, the way we understand what are acts of goodness and kindness, as far as we are concerned, this is the Torah, the Word of God, the Word of God that comes to us and teaches us and tells us what is right, what is wrong, how to behave, and how, in fact, to make a proper, appropriate, meaningful, everlasting contribution to the world that we live in.
And this is why every time we come together and talk about the Parsha, it's not only the knowledge, it's not only the information, it's not only the incredible insight into the lives of great people, it's not only understanding the fact that what we are experiencing is an incredible chain of events beginning long ago with Abraham, going through the exile of Egypt, seeing the destruction of Egypt, coming to Sinai, receiving the Torah, marching into the Promised Land, developing, well, highs and lows. And this is what this Parsha of Eir is all about, to understand those highs and lows. When we consider for a moment the incredible achievements that we have brought to the world, it's mind-boggling, but at the same time, when we stop for a moment and reflect upon the incredible pain that we as a people went through, as individuals and as a people, gone through throughout the ages, it's something which is extremely disturbing as well. And we must have insight into that, because otherwise life becomes a bit hopeless. It becomes, well, waves, a seesaw, up and down, a swing. And that's not what life is all about. It's not moments of this and moments of that. There is an incredible journey, an onward journey. There is a destination. There's a place that we're trying to get from the moment of creation God put into place within his wonderful world, a huge, huge destination that we all aspire to. And this week is the Parsha of Eira which addresses that issue in a very powerful sort of way. In addition, the Shabbos, of course, is Shabbos Mavorachim. We bless the new month of Shvat. Shvat, of course, is the month that has the wonderful festival of Tubi Shvat, of the 15th of Shvat, when we celebrate Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot, when we celebrate New Year for Trees. Perhaps at the end of the program we'll talk about that for a moment or two, or wait until we celebrate that wonderful festival. But it's a special month, and this is why it's a special Shabbos. It's a special Shabbos because the Parsha talks to us about something that each and every one of us feels very strongly and sometimes quite confusingly. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. As mentioned earlier on, this is a special parish because it addresses a specific issue in life that we are often uncertain about, an important issue in terms of our relationship with God and how we can develop that relationship to its best. But before that, we're talking about the Parsha. This Parsha is actually a continuation of last week's Parsha, which ends on a very, very confusing note. Moshe is charged by God to come and, well, take the Jewish people out of Egypt, bring about redemption, to bring down the might and power of Pharaoh and the terrible nation that he leads. And he comes to the Jewish people, convinces them that, them that he comes in the name of God, and he is about to deliver them from the terrible exile, from the terrible slavery, from the terrible pain of hundreds of years of difficulty in Egypt. But instead of turning out to be a great success, Pharaoh says, Who are you people? Who is this God that I should listen to? Go to the people and tell them, well, not to become too lazy. And in fact, life becomes far more difficult than before Moshe came to take the Jewish people out. And he turns to God, and he says to God in a questioning tone, Lama hareota, lama zem. Why have you made life so difficult? Why have you mistreated this people? Instead of me coming and bringing them a message of hope and deliverance, gave them the message, and now they are enslaved in even greater measure 
Their spirit is broken. Their hope is broken. Their faith is broken. Why have you mistreated the people? And it's at the beginning of this week's Parsha that God responds to Moshe. But before that, we have to ask the following question. Was Moshe correct in what he did? After all, Moshe is a man of great faith. Moshe believes absolutely in God. Moshe is the perfect human being, the perfect Jew, the perfect individual both in himself and his relationship with God. How dare he question the action of God? After all, as we say, God is eternally just. And even though from time to time situations of difficulty come upon us, nonetheless we know that this comes from God. Why does Moshe question the judgment of God? And is it correct to do so? And as we open up this week's Parshava era, we sense that God is somewhat displeased with the question that Moshe asks. And as our commentaries point out, he spoke with him mishpot. He spoke with him, in a sense, not harshly, but judgmentally. He said, I have appeared to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the fathers of the Jewish people. And... Although I put each and every one of them through great challenges, nonetheless, they never questioned my actions or my judgment. How come you question my judgment? And he goes on to say, well, it becomes very philosophical and mystical that he only revealed a specific dimension of himself to the patriarchs, but now he's going to reveal something far greater. But we come back to the earlier question. Why did Moshe question the actions of God, and is it correct to question the actions of God? After all, God is creator of heaven and earth. He brought us into being. He's all-knowing. He is truly eternal in the fullest sense of the word. He knows what's right. He knows what's good. And therefore, as people of faith, we have to have the emunah, and the bitachon, we have to have the faith and trust in God, that whatever he gives us is for our own good, Hakamosha, the most perfect of all people, whose faith in God is absolute. In fact, as our sages point out, as our mystical teachers point out, that Moshe is referred to as Raya Mehemna, the faithful shepherd. He was the faithful shepherd of the Jewish people, but they go on to say that the word Raya Mehemna can also mean the shepherd of faith. He shepherded, he taught, he developed faith among his people. And therefore, an individual who is a faithful shepherd and is able to encourage and develop and enhance faith in others, how come he, the absolute man of faith, questions the actions of God? There are a great many answers, and we have to take a look at from a far wider perspective. Because first of all, I ask the question, is it correct, is it proper, appropriate to question the actions of God? And the answer to that is yes. It does not in any way interfere with our faith. The point is you have to ask that question and should ask that question from time to time from a position of humility and honesty. Yes, of course, sometimes God delivers us with all sorts of difficulties and our response is one of extreme confusion and frustration. And we call out in anger, we call out in rage. Why have you done this? Well, one can understand that sort of response, but in actual fact, if we step back for a moment and ask God a different question, God, we know that you are ultimately the source of all goodness. 
And as our sages teach us, no difficulty, no pain in the true sense of the word descends from heaven. Whatever comes down from heaven is good. God help me understand the experience that I'm going through, which is one of great pain, one of great difficulty. God help me understand your actions. This is not a denial of faith. It is an actual fact, a development of faith. My faith in you, we say to God, is absolute, it's total, it's complete, it's everlasting. But my mind and my heart, which are part and parcel of my being, they don't understand, they don't feel the goodness that is coming through. And this is something which one can and should ask from time to time of God to try and understand within a deeper context the reason behind his action. Sometimes we get an answer. Sometimes it's explained to us. Sometimes it's not explained to us. But it's not a question of faith. I remember reading what Viktor Frankl once said, himself being a survival of the, a survival of, of the, um, of the Holocaust. And he spoke about how his faith developed in Auschwitz. It wasn't crushed. He had all sorts of questions. He was a man of great intellect, a man of great honesty. But he concluded that every single action of God is purposeful. And when man finds meaning in life through sometimes, yes, challenging God, his faith is developed further and greater. Putting that into the context of our question, we begin to understand a bit more what Moshe is saying and what Moshe is asking of God. Moshe is not attacking God. Why have you done this terrible thing to the people? But as you heard me often say, first and foremost, Moshe is a leader. And as a leader, his basic responsibility, his premier responsibility, is taking care of those whom he is leading. That's the job of a leader. The job of a leader is to lead, but at all times be absolutely concerned about the welfare of those whom he is leading. And while, of course, you have to have a tremendous sense of respect for the leader, the leader does whatever he can, we're talking about a leader like Moshe, whatever he can in order to ensure that his people see and receive benefit. And this is why sometimes he places himself at great risk, physical risk, and even more so spiritual risk, where he puts his relationship with God at risk by asking these questions publicly. And the reason, of course, is because he's a leader. And as a leader, he is obligated to ensure that his people are taken care of. God's answer to Moshe is, well, I spoke to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of the Jewish people, they never questioned my faith. Why do you question my faith? And here we come to an incredible insight, the difference between a father and a leader. The relationship of a father and a child, the love between a father and a child, is absolutely integral, natural. It's not something that really has to be worked at and for. Respect, yes, but the inner dimension of love is there. Parent and child have that love for each other. Yes, sometimes you find individuals who are well disturbed. And that love is hidden deep within the heart and soul of either parent or child. But in every obvious situation, the relationship between parent and child, even though they may argue, even though they don't see eye to eye, even though there might be great friction between them, love 
is basic. It's there. It's absolute. Whereas the relationship between a leader and his subjects, those who follow him, this is something that has to be developed. While, of course, within the very core of that relationship, at the very soul of both leader and subject, there is that connection. But on an obvious, revealed, conscious level, that has to be developed. And development is symbiotic. It is the expression, the overture of leader to subject, and at the same time, the overture of subject, of follower to the leader. And as they work on that relationship, it becomes far more intense and passionate and real and everlasting until they reveal the essential bond between them. What is Moshe doing over here? Moshe is turning to God and saying to God, why have you brought such difficulty to this people? He is speaking as a leader. I want my people to understand your actions, he says to God. I, after all, am their leader. And you have charged me with that responsibility and duty, with that incredible privilege and task. And this is why, as leader, I have to let my people know and clearly understand as much as possible that ultimately every action that you do is good. And therefore, of course, they can accept it on a level of faith. But a human being also has reason and feeling, emotion and intellect, and that too has to be satisfied to a certain degree. And this is why he turns to God, putting himself at risk in his relationship with God. Because after all, yes, he's not the father of the Jewish people. That's a totally different relationship. He is the Nasi, he is the Melech, he is the king, he is the leader. And this is why he has to develop the relationship. And it's a great, great exercise of give and take between leader and subject. He asks that question so the people should hear the answer. And know that ultimately, whatever God does, and what does God say? You are about to see greater revelation, even than the one I gave to your parents, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He shows the people that ultimately, this seeming harsh action from God to his people is actually a vessel, a journey, an opportunity of recognizing greater and deeper meaning in godliness, in God's actions and one's relationship with God, which is based upon a combination of trust, of faith, and understanding more of that. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the relationship between man and God and the relationship between a leader and his people, and how, in fact, it's not only allowed to sometimes ask God, why he does certain things that causes pain to us, but it's an absolute necessity. But before we continue, we're talking about what Moshe did when he challenges the actions of God and the response that he gets and how this, as I said earlier on, put his relationship at possible risk with God. Ultimately, it was a responsible action of a leader in order that his people understand to the level that they can why, in fact, God does what he did. And what does God say to Moshe? Vaera, you will soon see actions 
and revelations of myself that are unprecedented. From the beginning of creation to the present day, he says to God, what you and the Jewish people will experience and see, not only experience, but see, which means to understand to a great degree, will be the revelation of God as he dismantles, destroys the most powerful nation upon earth. Mitzrayim at the time, Egypt at the time, was the most powerful nation many ways a very sophisticated nation, but cruel, tyrannical, enslaving people, violent in every single way. And God says through a slow process of the ten plagues, you will see that nation come to its knees. Yes, Pharaoh might be proud and arrogant at the moment, but that will not last very long. Time and again, he will plead with Moshe to stop the current plague and bring about a change that will enable the Jewish people to walk out with great joy and with great purpose. And although it was something which didn't happen overnight, took an entire year each and every single month, there was a whole process of each and every single plague fulfilling its particular purpose. It opened the eyes of the Jewish people to the incredible involvement of God within this world. God doesn't simply create a world and let it go on its own. Each and every action is monitored by God and directed by God. And ultimately, ultimately we see the entire picture, every single action, every single moment in history, every single great and small development coming into play, bringing us to the ultimate purpose of God's creation, the idea of redemption, as it happened in Egypt. In Egypt, of course, not only was Pharaoh and his people humiliated and destroyed, more than that, far more than that, the Jewish people as a huge nation walk out from that incredible prison as a people of greatness as a people of God marching to Sinai to receive the Torah. The world changed dramatically, and slowly but surely the Jewish people begin to understand why, in fact, it has to go through this sort of process. You cannot have a great revelation without creating a vessel to receive that great revelation. And very often that vessel is a difficulty that we go through. This is true in every single area of life. When there is effort, when there is real effort, there is great reward as well. We can be given anything, and for a moment we appreciate it, we're so excited. But unless we have earned it, it's never really ours. We don't truly appreciate, in the fullest sense of the word, what we have received. But when we prepare ourselves in every sense of the word, whether it's a relationship, whether it's the idea of study. We go through difficulty. We go through challenge. We go through conflict. We go through friction because ultimately, by going through those experiences, we create a vessel of understanding and revelation. We remove the levels of confusion that distort the truth of that interaction. And this is true in life on every single level. How much more so in our relationship with God? When we individually or as a people go through difficulty, what we do by experiencing that difficult moment is exposing the inner dimension of good that is contained within the darkness.
And while, of course, this is difficult to accept at times, and we have to call on the most powerful dimensions of our faith to maintain that relationship with God, it's altogether proper, altogether right to actually challenge God, but to listen to the answer as well. This is why this Parsha is so important. What Moshe does to us at the end of last week's Parsha and the response from God to Moshe enables us to understand how we can continue to develop our relationship with God. On the one hand, yes, absolute faith, an unshakable faith, regardless of what he throws at us, but at the same time, the right and the necessity to try and understand his actions as well. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, listen to this parsha carefully. Every single word is va'era, revelation. God says, I will show you greater and better things. Every time a plague is brought upon Pharaoh and his people, this opens our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our souls to greater understanding and faith in God. And as the parsha develops and goes through one plague after the other, the experience of God's revelation of his self-exposing himself to us becomes greater and stronger. And this is why when you're in shul, as I said before, listen carefully to each and every dimension of the story. Try and look at some of the commentaries as well, which will enable you to understand the words of Torah, which are so powerful, but they contain tons of information on every single level. Listen carefully. There's a message there for you. Have a good Shabbos and a good Chodesh.